Space. A space for you, me, and everyone. Welcome to the Collective Space. Welcome to the Collective Space. I am Casey Kelly. I am Sarah Ingram. And we have a very special guest in studio with us today, Pixie Kastrup. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so real quick, before we kind of get started uh, with our guest of honor, I should say. <laughs> um, Sarah, how was your week? It was good. Um, I dislike May Gray. Oh, I'm not a May Gray fan. Yeah. And so it's really unmotivating. It was, it was hard. Um, but then, magically, the last couple days, it's been gorgeous. So, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. The, the universe answered my prayers. I was like, oh, it's going to be May Gray and then June Gloom. Is it July yet? And then it, it ended up being really nice this weekend. So I'm excited. Yeah. How was your week? It was good. It was good. I went camping. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. I went to Leo Creo. Love that place in Malibu. But I think I got probably the worst night's sleep of my life. But I feel weird talking about it because you're a soon-to-be mom pixie. <laughs> and <laughs> right next to our campsite was a baby. Oh. who, you know, woke up like every three hours and I was like, oh my God, this is like the best birth control. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend looked at each other in the tent and we're like, mm, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Who was a newborn um, camping? That's that's actually really amazing. It was pretty amazing. I was like, props to you parents, yeah. you know, that was awesome. But it was, I, I don't know that I... I You're not ready. Nice. Not ready for that yet. <laughs> I'm not ready. Not yet. So <laughs> big shouts to all you parents out there. <laughs> Our newbie parents. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was my week. It was good. You know, I too enjoy the sunshine though. That makes me happy. Yeah. We're spoiled here. We in are California. spoiled in Southern California. Mm-hmm. If their cloud rolls in, we all are miserable <laughs> and complain constantly. <laughs> I know, I know. So yeah, so we have a very special guest with us, Pixie. It is an honor for me to have you. I mean, I look up to you very much and have looked up to you for a long time. So thank you for being here today. Thank you very yeah. much. Pixie, how was your week? My week was busy. They are all busy right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gearing up to not be busy. Um, mm-hmm. At least, you know, outside You'll be the busy house. on a different yeah, level. Absolutely. I didn't mind the May Gray because I knew this weekend was going to be in the sun all, all week. And then it helps me to stay focused on what I have to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I must say that yesterday when we woke up and opened up the curtains to the sunshine, mm-hmm. my daughter's 10th birthday party was at the beach. <laughs> so we were very grateful yeah. to see the sun. <laughs> on her beach day and it was um, not too hot it was warm but it wasn't too hot which was nice and it was a great way to um, celebrate my daughter and she um, you know just her and that her little sister didn't show up early was really important for her and for our family yeah you got to that and you're due next Sunday next Sunday Mm -hmm. in a week a week from today oh my god I didn't (laughs) know it was that close (laughs) yeah yeah and I'll be teaching my public classes through Wednesday and then, um, yeah, and then I still have clients after Wednesday, as oh long as I'm not goodness. going into labor. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, and you do your lunar sessions. Are you done with that? I'm done with spring session, and the summer session is a retreat in July. Oh. So it's a one-night retreat up in Goleta. Oh, and I, beautiful. And this is the first time I'm announcing it, <laughs> other than this morning <laughs> in class. <laughs> um and it's the first full moon of summer, so it's mm-hmm. July 9th. It's the evening up at the Goodland oh, in that's Santa Barbara. A great it's, hotel. It, it's 
Santa Barbara, but it's really Golita. And we'll have um, this space for us to do the Agni practice, which is the solstice practice. It's the first year I'm not teaching it on summer solstice in eight years. Wow. <laughs> so I will be teaching it as part of the retreat. And this retreat, so with the, sum, the sacred living sessions, summer has always been intended to be just a retreat because I'm not going to ask anybody to commit to eight weeks mm-hmm. in the summertime. Um, so it worked out for us to get about, we were there for almost 24 hours, maybe a little bit more for our time together. And um, you won't get the same as the others, but you'll get enough to support you mm-hmm. uh, through summer. And then fall will start again with the eight-week course. That's awesome. Yeah. So for our listeners, maybe who, because I mean, I'm familiar with you, but not, I mean, I don't know, like your whole backstory, <laughs> but let's maybe get to know you a little bit. Like there's, how did you, like your story a little bit for our, for our... That's like opening up a can of worms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, that's such a hard question. It's like, wow, okay, which way do I go with that? Um, <laughs> maybe in summary, like the cliff notes. Right, the cliff notes. <laughs> Yoga based or just life based? That's the thing. Do you want Cliff Notes yoga based or Cliff yeah. Notes like? Well, maybe a little bit about your life, like where you're from, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and then maybe how you found yoga, how that yeah. kind of process began. That makes more sense. Yeah. I actually was born in Ohio. Were you really? My boyfriend's from <laughs> yeah. Ohio. Yeah. All good people come from Ohio. I swear, John Legend's from Ohio. <laughs> uh-huh, there's a well, lot of pretty cool people from Ohio. They are. I guess I'll move to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, oh, Hawaii. <laughs> For a while, too. But I didn't live there long. I'm actually the only um, person in my family who didn't get much raising in Ohio Um, so I we moved to Huntington Beach soon after I was born by the time I was about one and a half so I've grown up the beach my whole life between Huntington Beach and here I did grow up here for the second half of childhood Um, so the whole Ventura High and all that fun stuff Um, and I took my first (laughs) yoga class at Ventura High School oh wow Um, probably my freshman year like for a, a half a quarter or something because they did I ended high up school it was it was interesting okay <laughs> it was the first and only year <laughs> I have a feeling it wasn't offered again <laughs> but it was right I didn't do PE after that I was a, a competitive swimmer throughout my entire high school career so I didn't have to do the PE but I did take a, a yoga class there and it was very interesting and and you know as a teenager you almost feel like you have to think it's not right, even if it, you, even if you jived with it. Um, and then I moved, when I graduated from high school, I moved to Hawaii. And I lived in Hawaii. I've lived on a couple of islands for a couple of years. And when I was living there was the first time I really understood that, like, there was more to existing than the partying and all of the other things that we were doing, right? Um, and, and I had to ride my bike to work at the time. And, and that's not a complaint by any means because mm-hmm. I was living in Kauai and the bike ride was awesome and I had like there's no street lights so I had like a flashlight you know strapped to the front of my bike that I bought at Kmart or whatever you know Um, and I would ride my bike home in the dark and notice like energetically you know I'm still a teenager I think I was 19 um, that there was just something more to you know getting home and going to bed and going back to work. And I moved, I ended up moving to Maui, like around the time that I was exploring this. And my girlfriend was like, you're crazy. And you probably should talk to people about what oh. you're experiencing. Because oh. <laughs> I hung out with you know, a lot of partiers yeah. at the time. Um, and so I moved to Maui. When I moved to Maui, I um, got a part-time job at the health food store there, which was way tinier than it is now over um, in Paia. Mm-hmm. And m- was able to like land in a place where there were a lot of conscious 
people I'd never really been fully exposed to, and they just embraced me to explore. You know, I started doing yoga on the beach. I started eating. It was my first experience with becoming vegan. And again, I was, um, I think I turned 20 that year when I was living on that island. Mm -hmm. And so I was pretty young (laughs) and started doing yoga. And um, what I was, I just was not sure what I wanted to do with my world. And it helped to meet people who weren't telling me like maybe you shouldn't talk about that or whatever and figure out like okay what I want to do and I wanted to go back to school and so um, I ended up going to Humboldt State University from Maui (laughs) which is not a great move from (laughs) Southern California to Hawaii (laughs) to uh, rainy Northern California again community was jived and that's why I chose it Mm -hmm. it was perfect for that transfer from Hawaii but um I had a really hard time that first year being butt white <laughs> and cold and wet. Um, but the but I ended up um, through all of that. That was a long. I was there for a long time. I was there for five years, and through that, met my first real teacher. Um, I um, uh, Francis Warner, who when I met him, he was an Ashtanga teacher, and again, very young for me, not being able to afford it, which is something that's really common when you first start doing yeah. yoga and you want to do it. And he um, he taught his classes at like 5.15 in the morning. And he said to me, if you come and you're dedicated and you don't miss days, you can come and you don't have to pay. And oh, so that's wow. how I started my practice in that realm. He wasn't my very first teacher, but he was the first one who took the time to give me an opportunity to have some devotion to learning something. And as I continued to explore my life path, not just career-wise, but the things that I was up to in my early 20s, um, I chose to study kinesiology, which is the study of the body. So as I chose that degree, and I was older than most everyone else because I didn't start college right away, Mm -hmm. um, I took my first 200-hour training and ended up taking all of my training into the degree I was studying. Because at the time, again, this is the early 2000s, there was no, nowadays, kinesiology is more offered, more around. And um, what is it? I think it's LMU even has a yoga yoga program. Yeah. Which at the time, I mean, you got to think at the time. And again, that's not that long ago, but I... um, I was in a classroom setting with mostly people studying exercise. I was studying exercise science, but mostly studying like pre-PT, a lot of athletes Mm -hmm. studying for coaching, teaching, training. And then here I was this, I had a shaved head at the time after my dreadlocks. And um, this pixie chick, this little skinny pixie chick with a shaved head talking about yoga at every (laughs) single like research project. And they would just be like, again? (laughs) <laughs> really yoga again again yeah you're gonna talk about it again <laughs> and um that you know we were together solid for two years and they you know at the end of that second year a lot of the um a lot of the guys that were like head head of their team sports started to reach out and say okay well what can i do and it was really fun to integrate it and that's kind of like the background of my yoga um by the time i was done with yoga i had tr- or by the time I was done with my degree, I had traveled a bit um, for my degree, and I'd been teaching everything that you could teach in a gym. <laughs> At that time, Zumba wasn't around. So I can't teach a Zumba class, but I can teach mm-hmm. anything else you'd like <laughs> because that is what you do when you're a kinesiology major. And, um, and then I moved to India and got my um, – I worked there. I worked with a lot of the upper caste as a private yoga and uh, 
fitness instructor making really good money for someone who doesn't you know wasn't born and raised there wow that's so interesting and um ended up getting my yoga therapy certification there um uh it was really beautiful and i now you know lead retreats in india and love india very much it's um definitely a different experience (laughs) (laughs) and um when i returned that was 10 years ago it was 10 years ago in um fall of last year i guess because my daughter is now 10 (laughs) so when i returned i was pregnant i was supposed to go back to india they had asked me to move there and i said i'll just come back every quarter and then life changed so since then I um, became a mom and took care of that and then rearranged my life one more time pretty dramatically. And uh, after that rearrangement is when I started studying with Shiva Ray. Um, And when I studied with Shiva Ray, rather than like, you know, YouTubing a video or buying one of her DVDs or um, going down, because at the time she was still teaching public classes, going down to take a class, I just applied Mm -hmm. for three weeks of training and did it. (laughs) Wow. Which was, it was a really gnarly time in my life, but it was obvious that it was supposed to be that way. Mm -hmm. Because the moment she came into the room and started speaking and like the mentors that were there to support us, I felt like I had found my home. And I hadn't felt that way for a while because I'd been so busy with learning and traveling and some of the other things I had to rearrange in my personal life that I, I was really lost other than my mom uh, being a mom Mm -hmm. I knew I was a mom but uh, and she was only two at the time but um, and so it's been this interesting ride since then Mm -hmm. Shiva Ray and Mark Whitwell are the two teachers I had really in the past nine years or so spent a lot of time um, with Mm -hmm. in the past few years I've just been integrating that and that's kind of where as my yoga path and my personal path have come together that's kind of like a like a cliff note. Of course, there's tons of nooks and crannies and yeah. magical things in the midst of all that. Yeah. But continuing to seek, like, inspiration, again, it doesn't just have to be in my yoga space, but in space in general, mm-hmm. has allowed me to continue to be interested in showing up, even when I'm going to have a baby in a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah. Man, that's so incredible. That's yeah. such a great cliff notes <laughs> I'm like I get to hear and listen to all day <laughs> totally yeah oh, super man. interesting so then for you why was it yoga that you know what what is like yoga well it's a good question you. because when I chose yoga at the time remember I said if we backtrack I was in kinesiology so I was teach I was a personal trainer I was a um I was teaching Matt Pilates Matt and studying with some really amazing uh Pilates um mentors mm-hmm. at the time under Scott Pilates and I was spinning. I taught spinning forever and loved it. Wow. I taught it actually until, gosh, probably three or four years ago I stopped teaching it. But there was a moment where I kind of had to choose, specifically Pilates and yoga. Both of those practices, when you choose to devote to them, are going to take a lot of investment and time, extra time from mm-hmm. my degree stuff. Because, again, I had to travel to finish my degree as well. Um And when I sat with it, especially because, again, I remember that sensation I felt with the awkward teacher at Ventura High School (laughs) eons ago, Um, yoga and and the approach to not just the physical asana practice, but the approach to gifting it and, and sharing others in their bodies 
seemed extremely natural to me, almost to the place where I had been waiting to be reminded that it was something I was going to be up to. It doesn't, everything is work, right? When we're learning something and when we're up to something as householders, you know, there's work to be done. But it doesn't feel like work the way like when I was um, temping, like when I did a temp job Mm -hmm. and had to do like filing work was work. And when I started teaching yoga classes, I actually taught... um, like in friends' homes, while I was studying my training, one one Friday a night, one one week a night, we would get together and we would um, make pizza. And while the pizza was rising, while the dough was rising, I would teach the class, and then we'd finish making the pizza and like have you know Friday night pizza night. That's awesome. And, and it yoga, was pizza, <laughs> let's bring that back. <laughs> right. We are so bringing that back. Pizza and yoga Friday night. Uh-huh. Homemade awesome. pizza with homemade dough. Mm-hmm. You have to was, let the dough rise. Mm-hmm. That was that That's was how that is did it. so you don't go by bubbly. <laughs> no, no bubbly. <laughs> Dang, I know. That's awesome. But um, I, I, it became such a natural space, mm-hmm. and the feedback, even in these smaller spaces where I wasn't as confident, obviously, as I am now, in my verbiage, the feedback was really what helps, right? When you're doing anything and you're like, oh, I'm in that space, the feedback is what keeps you going. Yes. Okay, thank you. I am doing what I'm supposed to be up to. Mm. And it came naturally, specifically like watching the body, because that's what kinesiology is, the study of the body and movement. And so, like that's that what, how you translate that word. And um, that is exactly what I do if you were to watch me teach a class. Even now when I can't move around as much, I am focused on watching everybody's bodies move. And how can I get the body to move in the direction that my intention is in the collective space? Yeah, that's space. that's great. And what I love, yeah, <laughs> I didn't even mean that. Space, yeah. After like, I said it, I'm like, see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll just let that be quiet little, for a moment after flag. that. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. <laughs> so, Pixie, also in your classes, they're very um, like astrology based, mm-hmm. right? So, do you want to give a little bit of background as to the style you teach? Because you've kind of gone on this path where your classes kind of revolve around the phases of the right. moon and some Ayurvedic stuff, too. Right, so, do you want right. to? explain it's an interesting space because it gives me the, the the hindsight to pull back and like look over it obviously well I've always been drawn to the moon and I think part of that happens when you're living by the beach and when I probably in Hawaii that shift into becoming more comfortable with being conscious and like the curiosity of that is when I started doing like full moon I was invited to like full moon ceremonies and and that kind of thing and curious and then once I was in Humboldt I always lived outside of town I didn't live in town I always lived on pieces of property so I would host or be invited to go to full moon ceremonies and start to started to learn like why are we doing that why are we why are we having a ceremony what is the significance of the moon and then as you start to learn that and you're with somebody else who has more knowledge they're like telling you, well, the moon's in this. And you're like, what do you mean the moon's in this? And so starting to, there was this spiral effect of people showing up in my life when I first moved up there with astrology knowledge. And I was very involved with a lot of peace activism. So there were, I was just exposed to so many different beings. <laughs> and um, as I was, I just took it in and showed up at places to learn more. And then as I through my yoga therapy training in in India, you learn a lot of naturopathic type things. And of course, Ayurvedic, not Ayurvedic the way you might take it now, because 
it's such approached so differently where it's collectively cultured, right? So we learn it differently here in, in the U.S. because it isn't our cultural background. And so there, it wasn't like, okay, we're doing Ayurvedic and naturopathy. It was, you know, we're doing pranayama and some naturopathy, and then the Ayurvedic was part of it. And then with when I returned and started integrating more of the embodiment and was exposed to Shiva, she sort of laid the groundwork for the spark of like, I know this. And it's natural to find more rhythm and flow. How can I share this? And so as I voiced what I already had been learning, I started to subtly offer in classes, which was a big step. That's hard. <laughs> and it still do. kind of is in the sense yeah. that like, you know, I don't, it's not traditional. And at the time I was teaching at Mavericks in LA Fitness probably well I was at Yoga Jones for a long time here in town but I was taking everything in my style and not changing it for wherever I was so even at LA Fitness I can remember that huge room and like having you know if packed to the gills and being told like no adjustments and don't do anything weird <laughs> and still just doing what <laughs> well, I want to do don't do anything uh, weird uh-huh yeah um, and just continuing to be myself and keeping the rooms packed but allowing myself to start to drop these ideas and seeing with big eyes and big ears, like how is this coming across? Um, because specifically with the moon and living by the ocean, and when I lived up north, we were by the ocean, but I also lived on property with streams and rivers that would change with the moon change. I feel like there's, in our, so we see that the water is affected by the moon, and then our body is made up of mostly water. So it's this space of whether someone thinks it's woo-woo to talk about yeah. the moon. If we can just come to just this scientific like realization and, and agreement that, yes, we can go down by the water and see that the water changes. It not depends. only yeah. by the moon, but seasonally. Yeah. The beach looks different every season. And again, that's a water change. And so our body is being made up of water is going to have some sort of effect. It doesn't mean it's going to affect the, all of us the same, and the three of us will ha in this room will have a different effect. Yet, it will be, it will be tangibly similar, mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. Um, we'll have we have different journeys, we have different stories, so they're going to sound different, but there will be some sort of line, some sort of web that connects us to sort of flowing in it in the same space and what I'm what I've learned and why I teach talking about the moon and the Ayurvedic seasons or this space that Ayurvedic yoga science of things is it, it allows us to feel less alone and starts to give us this idea that again your story is different than mine but you may be able to empathize more than I thought you could mm -hmm. and you have sensation that connects us to one another that, again, gives a sense of community mm -hmm. that we don't, you don't have to know the other person's name. That's, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have to know, maybe never seen that person practice next to you. But when we get into a space where we can trust that there's more to it, we tend to support each other more. And that's what flowing is. Mm -hmm. The word vinyasa in Sanskrit means sequence or flow it doesn't I always say it doesn't mean plank chaturanga <laughs> yeah, no, up dog down no. dog at all <laughs> it literally means sequence and yeah. what it means by that is to connect one thing to the next mm -hmm. and so when we come into this space of of learning about the flow of seasons and the flow of the lunar cycle it's a flow 
And if we resist it, it's uncomfortable. And usually in asana, it becomes a place of um, injury, injury or ailment. Mm -hmm. And in a place of our personal life, it becomes a place of um, feeling alone, feeling you know not supported and those kinds of things. So finding that and allowing ourselves to sort of soften to the flow of the seasonal space and the lunar space on a practical level feels a little bit more doable. And then as you get deeper into it, um, it becomes a space of insanely amazing manifestation because mm -hmm. as you stop resisting and you start flowing, nature around us is always flowing. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to find this rhythm that allows for creation in the way that you're asking for it. And so that's kind of why I'm so passionate about it now is to share with everyone it's very easy it might be, or simple would be a better word, it might feel complex or challenging at times, but the ground work and the process is simple mm -hmm. and magical it is and totally magical. worth it. <laughs> so that's why I'm doing it now. Yeah. And do you ever, as a teacher, go through periods where you feel like maybe teaching is hard or challenging for you? Absolutely. And how, like, you know, what do you do to, I mean, just maybe this is a personal question, but like, what do you do yeah. to, I mean, have, have you seen your relationship to even teaching yoga shift over your Absolutely. Years? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, uh, when I, especially at this point in my life, I'm so interested in mentoring and supporting those who are coming into mm -hmm. the experience of becoming um, teachers in, in, the, in the space of yoga and the body. I'm more interested in sharing that, yes, like we all, it's happens in all careers. It's not just one. I mean, we, we, when we're in our own career, it feels like it's just our career. But it happens in all careers. And that reminder then when that happens to, okay, either take a hiatus or find someone that can support you in some dialogue to then remind yourself what inspired you to do it in the first place. And sometimes that might be a retreat it might be another like immersion or training. It might be a hiatus and, and doing some other creative something for yourself. It might be, um, you know, closing all the doors. There's so many ways that we can nurture ourselves, but it's very normal. And if we can find a soundboard, some support, community, tribe type space, mm -hmm. and having mentors, no matter where you are in your career, is so potent because it'll bring us back to being human and it also allows us to stay humble that's another challenge at times right when we're learning things is we want to make sure that we're doing it our best and sometimes that humbleness gets kind of convoluted because we don't know what it always takes to be our best if it's new mm -hmm. or if we're jaded and then we're so jaded of it and we're you know burnt out that we get sort of um resentful that we have to go do it um, and so I think pulling back and reminding yourself what inspired you to do that in the first place and maybe it's changed and if it's changed and you need to share your direction for a little bit making sure you're not hard on yourself for it because that's natural that's part of the flow the stream isn't going straight and it never really will <laughs> you know the waves yeah. don't look the same none of that natural we even the trees when they come back from the spring the leaves might be bigger or smaller or mm -hmm. the color of the flower might be a different shade of whatever and that reminder makes it so much 
less stressful. Mm-hmm. Not to say things aren't stressful. <laughs> <laughs> We're all human <laughs> and we all live, you know, here. Um, but that reminder for sure. And mm-hmm. I was just speaking to this with someone and saying, you know, good to take that hiatus to give yourself some space, but it's absolutely natural. And it's not just in the yoga career. I've had times where I'm like, oh my God, I'm a horrible mom and I'm, I'm over it. And I think like anything that we do regularly, or you can imagine like as a pet owner, right? Like, oh my gosh, why do I still have dogs? <laughs> There's that moment. And then, I mean, that's why, you know, you turn the lights off and it's dark out. Yeah, We have to have both. True, the balance of the, mm-hmm. and the that's sun what, and the moon, yeah. you know? That's what hatha is. Yeah. That's what it means. So yeah. how do we live that? That's awesome. awesome. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I literally, I'm like a little kid just <laughs> looking at you like, oh, my God. <laughs> so what's going on right now with the, the phases of the moon? What have you been teaching in your classes lately? So we had a new moon last week, and um, it's the last full lunar cycle in spring. So one of the biggest things we've been focusing on in the beginning of classes is just being reminded that it's still springtime Mm -hmm. and we are in spring until June 20th and then June 21st is our summer solstice. Springtime is in the Ayurvedic doshas is a kapha or an earth dosha, Mm -hmm. but um, earth element, but wintertime is also kapha. And so we've had two, two seasons of it. It shifts again in sacred living sessions. It's one of the things we talk about a lot is, is understanding what that means and that balance. So it's not the same earth feeling in springtime that it is in wintertime. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about right now, especially since I won't be teaching public classes during the transition is to remind yourself that we are still in the the spring space. We're going to get antsy. It's totally normal. The first three, the last three weeks of spring, or any season, to get anticipatory for the next season. The potency of honing it in is huge because if you pay attention, if we don't hone it in, we get burnt out before the end of summer or the end of spring or whatever season it is. And so that's more what we've been talking about um, consciously, especially with this being, it's not the last new moon of spring. There will be a new moon right before summer solstice. Mm So we more being aware that it's the last full cycle. And so then when we go into summer, it's pitta. So we're going fire. from earth to fire. Yeah. And I said this morning in the public class, you put earth in one hand and fire in the other hand, which one are you going to hold longer? Earth. Right? Mm-hmm. And so being mindful as we're moving through this last period of spring, number one, it's still springtime. So you can still do some cleansing, cleaning about, clearing the nooks and crannies, you know, figuratively and literally. And you don't have to be in a rush. And then also noticing we do that spring cleaning because if, the fi- if, if we're transitioning into fire with a heavy earth, that fire uh, and, and kapha has it's a oily one of the things is oily yes with that manifesting the body right right yeah. right and so in that way you think like you have if you don't clear it and you're taking it into summer grease and oil make bigger fires oh, wow. and very uncomfortably <laughs> <laughs> that's a golden nugget i'm gonna hold on to so i should stop laying around in this may gray is what you're saying i really need to well some of it is intent we, we do need because you're going to have the metabolism of, of that fire is so intense. Mm-hmm. You want to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. The 
common right now, if we don't have the maigret, is to start that summer. And then by, you know, mid-July, beginning of August, we're like, oh, when does school start? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, when is winter time? We uh-huh. need to cool down. And we want to utilize the entire springtime. At the moment, because we're moving out of the new moon energy, we are just sort of allowing that reflection of last week, the last end of the week, to to find its nooks and crannies in the body, so that whatever it is that you created as your intentions, whether they're the same intentions that we've been up to for the year that you're creating, or if you created new ones, the the, the pathways to make that happen will start showing up. The full moon for this last round is June 9th, Mm. and then you'll have the second half of the cycle. Um, And then, so that's what we're focusing on at the moment, more so than anything else, because to me, you know, it's a big thing. This is my first, like I said, the first time in eight years not being in community space outside of my home for this, the solstice transition. And so I just like, want to offer tools for that transition to not be too fiery or too weak, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. In, in the Ayurvedic world, when, when, when one of your doshas or one of the doshas is out of alignment, it's called a, d- a derangement, which I always find amusing and always use when I'm in the <laughs> middle of like a lecture or a satsang. So, yeah. Deranged. So it's your vata deranged. Yeah. Um, and when we transition, um, I have found in my experience, and others will feel differently, but I have found that summer and fall can be very uncomfortable transitions because uh, vata is for our falls and here in southern california a lot of times we have the santa annas which is a translation to fire and air or fire and the wind coming together and just wreaking havoc on us and so what can we do how can we flow to support that transition Mm -hmm. and again it's jumping ahead true but it's it's here like what are you doing right now what are you up to what are you creating what do you want to have accomplished and then narrowing it down to okay this is what I want to have accomplished I'm putting this out there it's a new moon time for me to do that last week and then as we move towards that full moon allowing yourself to be open to what shows up to support that happening mm-hmm. yeah it, you know I just had this thought maybe for a listener who's not in the yoga world or community they might be like wow this just seems intense you know because you have right. to stay connected you have to stay open to looking at your shit per se yes, you know or absolutely. you know looking at things and being able and showing up and doing the work or mm-hmm. you know being honest with yourself and be like look i'm not doing the work right now but that requires you to be vulnerable absolutely so it could seem a little i would say from a maybe newbie perspective or someone who's like wow, <laughs> you know, it could seem a little challenging or overwhelming. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it, and it's, it can be because, yeah. again, it's uncomfortable, but it really isn't challenging the way we label it. Yeah. It's challenging in some, say, some ways, but the way that we label it in, instinctively mm-hmm. isn't the same. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is absolutely it. There's no doubt about it. But if you think about your first yoga class, it was really vulnerable to stand in there mm-hmm. because – other people have taken the class. The teacher, you know, you don't know. Um, you don't know if you're wearing the right clothes. You know, you, there's so many things that make us like tout it, and then but we still show up, and very much so. It sounds overwhelming or a lot, and so it's this space of like, okay, just take it one step at a time. And and if you don't know the step, 
Again, of course, seeking somebody out that can support you with the step or finding a book or a support group or, or a class that you resonate with that is like, oh, okay, even if it's just, if it's an hour class and you're on the mat for that hour and that gave you some space to not be in your head, that alone begins the process of smelling your own shit. Exactly. Because when you walk off the mat, whether it's that first time or months later, you start to become aware of things, mm -hmm. whether you want it to be or not. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, it's kind of a beautiful thing too, because you're almost suffering when you're not paying attention and connected, because then you're like, why am I stuck in this cycle? Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, it's almost like a freeing feeling when you can, that's at least for my, you know, immersion into yoga has been that process of realizing the patterns that I have and then being able to look at my own stuff and then progress forward. Absolutely. In some way. Sometimes it's like a river, you know, it's like to the side yeah, or a little bit absolutely. back and then it's down and then up and, you know, it's absolutely. everywhere. But And I, it's kind of like what we talked about before where it's we need to connect to our bodies in order to get there, right? Like we have to connect to our bodies first and foremost before we can smell our own shit. Right, or, absolutely. You know, connect it comes people, from your body, so. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it all makes sense. You gotta connect to the body. Yeah. That's what shit is. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But that's why we use our asana practice mm -hmm. to kind of get there first. So what can you tell us about, I know in your classes, your, your practices are based on I don't want to say just one asana, obviously, right. but, you know, like sometimes it's very like plank based right, or yeah. high crescent lunge is mm -hmm. like the pose. So mm -hmm. how does that relate to, to your classes and where you come from and why you teach the asana practice that way? So when I'm thinking, when I show up into a classroom, I'm a mindful first and foremost of the season. So I teach a little differently each season. Mm -hmm. You'll get more fire second half of spring, spring to summer, not a ton of fire, but lots of fire in the summer. And then wintertime, we'll be doing a different type of way of approaching the body, not as much of the core plank things. They'll be there. That's just not as much because we don't need to fire it up that way. And the core, the core is where you get the fire, right? Right. And that's yes, why there's that lots solar of core plexus, in, absolutely. Is there lots of core in spring or in, in summer? In spring, we start. Summer, oh. we maintain. Gotcha. Um, so spring, it feels like more in spring because you're like, where did this come from? <laughs> and then we just sort of maintain it through summer because we don't want it to be like unexpectedly more in summer because that would be increasing the fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little derangement there. I'm deranged. <laughs> I'm going to make that one down. That's good. <laughs> um, but when it comes to the like a, 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 that week, class if I I usually have an idea of like where we might head as far as what we call a peak pose mm -hmm. is that doesn't mean that the peak pose will happen in that class but some point during that week we would build into that the way that I teach and approach movement is empowering the body from inside out so I don't teach using the walls I'll offer walls to those who need it for, for physical support for certain ailments and or pregnant women if they need that for balance. But generally we don't use the wall. And pr we use props, but props differently and more um, focused than sometimes um, is wanted <laughs> that I see in the public classes. So I'll pick out a peak pose that supports the season. And then of course, if I show up to a class and I was thinking we were going to that peak pose and, and you know, majority of the students are either newer to me or the energetics is just like totally not going there. I'll massage the space so we're still heading there, but maybe heading there from a different route. Mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm looking at a peak pose to offer, I want to, on my own time, look at the poses. Okay, what's, what are we doing? What does the pose look like? And then break it down backwards from there. And then throughout the week, offer different ways 
to get there that are going to support your body to feel that alignment and that support system. Um, that way it doesn't get monotonous. Mm -hmm. like, you're, like I'm not teaching the exact same sequence the entire week for you to get into the pose, mm -hmm. but you're still kind of getting the same ideas. And then if, I ha if people are, you know, a lot of my classes I see a lot of the same yogis. And so I'll remind them, we did this and now we're doing it like this. Can you feel it inside of you? Why we would come either way to get to that pose. So breaking it down backwards from whatever that peak pose is, is how I approach offering it. And then I usually will spend, um, it depends on like, it's been so different for me this past season because I knew that I was gonna be out for the mm -hmm. summer to really focus. And I knew that I wanted to focus on inversions and deep heart openers. And so that's what we've done these past two months pretty exclusively. And so like this week, it's a ton of throwing it all together. I wouldn't say throwing it all together like I'm like, <laughs> you know, just throwing just it like get that. It, yeah. do it. But what I want to do is show everybody who's been consistent and even those who don't take my classes regularly, all that we've been up to creates this base to be able to explore and be empowered. Mm -hmm. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Because I think the, the most memorable part of your classes physically, I mean, for myself, firsthand experience, but also people that I talk to, mm -hmm. they're always like, oh my gosh, we were in high crescent lunch the whole time. I can barely walk, you know, so, yeah. which is different than other styles because some other styles you get the, a whole right. body experience yes. where you're yes. kind of sore all over or mm -hmm. you're, you're doing many different postures, mm -hmm. but in your classes, it's very based on one. Right, and what I find with that is that it, it allows you to get into your alignment more mm -hmm. and you can take that into other practices. Um, I've definitely strive to be injury free, uh, not personally, of course, I have my own background, but to not create a practice where people would harm themselves. So alignment is where I'm coming from. So if there's a high crescent, you know, base in your practice, I'm probably cueing you to feel certain things adjusting your pelvis, because if I want your pelvis to stay in alignment, maybe two days later, we're going to start opening up the heart but we can't open up the heart if the pelvis isn't stable. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so finding ways in our body to prep for that and how do we do that? And I just take my time with it with you yeah. <laughs> rather than rushing. Um, and that way, if you are in a different style of class, you have that to pull in to continue supporting your alignment no matter what type of class you're taking. Yeah, that certainly beautiful. helped me. I mean, I love the how it's just one, not just one posture, but you know what I mean. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, like we go on back one to posture. something. Yeah. yeah. And I've learned so much from, from those classes. Cause sometimes the classes where you're doing a whole lot, you don't get that time to kind of really, really tune in your body. Yeah. 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 So I, I definitely can attribute to my practice learning those poses from you. I'm like, Oh, I never knew that. <laughs> or I like, I'd never spent that much time, three to five breaths in a pose, but I never spent, a couple minutes in this yeah, pose to yeah. be like, holy moly, I feel yeah. this posture. Like, yeah. I feel it a lot. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so yes. Good. Yes. Yeah. So I have a, another personal question. <laughs> but like, at what point in your teaching career did you really embody the word teacher? Because I, I am, I've been teaching for what, like a year and a half, two mm -hmm. years, possibly. But I still don't, would don't, I would say that I don't necessarily feel comfortable being called a teacher. I'm more of a sharer at this <laughs> point because uh -huh. I feel like for me, I'm still such a student and I'm right. so eager to learn and there's so much that I need to learn. And right. 
So it's an interesting, I understand what you're asking. Yeah. And first and foremost, I'm still a student and a learner as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Always learning. And I (laughs) think that's part of what yoga, when, you know, we look beyond the asana. Mm -hmm. Yoga is about a consistent evolving of your learning and shifting. And I don't teach the same way I taught 10 years ago. And in 10 years, I probably won't be teaching the same. And, Mm -hmm. um, um, so I started teaching in what, 2003. And so I don't have a full definite like time. And again, always saying in hindsight that, you know, I am still a student as well, yet understanding like just like any other type of career, there becomes a space where you have more experience than others. And like, what do you want to do with that? Do I want to just continue doing this or do do I want to share that? And so like becoming a new type of sharer (laughs) in the sense of really wanting to support those who are saying what you just said like i'm you know the x amount of years feeling more new than not new and when i so it wasn't a time frame that i could tell you like oh after 10 years this is where (laughs) i was or whatever it was more of a mindset when i realized that i want to i want to empower you both of you you know i want to i i'm not it's, it's not a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think during most careers, there's a moment where it is because that gives you the ability to say, okay, I am doing the right thing. You need some people to be telling you you're awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we all do. And yeah. again, it's just being real, and um, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And then at this point in my career, yes, I have to take care of my family and be a part of that space. Yet um, – I, my intentions are, again, empowerment is huge in my, when I'm doing my work. And that empowerment means being vulnerable comfortably and being, what's the word? I'm not insecure. Like confident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that space, that transition, again, I couldn't give you a date. Mm -hmm. um, But it came with time and it came with experience of being exposed to different types of bodies and then of course as I said I was teaching other things to continuously be exposed Um, I have spent my entire career in the yoga path Mm -hmm. Um, that is what my degree is in and that is what I've been prepped for through college and in high school I was a competitive athlete so getting to know my body then as well so it's a little different right Mm -hmm. and so how do I translate that for those who are shifting careers or or the younger folks that are going through kinesiology are doing it that way as well, you know, and finding it that way. And in fact, I have to be honest with you, I had others saying, hey, you know, you need to stand in your where you are now and not belittle what you've been up to. And so it actually took some encouragement from others For sure. to say, no, 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 you are, you know, you're a master teacher now. Yeah. And being like, are you sure? <laughs> and having that doubt, but not yeah. out of insecurity, but just almost out of humility, mm-hmm. thinking if I call myself a master teacher, then it's going to look like I'm, you know, strutting my yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it isn't about that at all. It's more about utilizing that title to help others. For sure. And really get you staying where what's, like each of you have a different reason for being inspired for doing what you're doing. And how can I support you staying inspired with that? rather than like, this is who I am and you just have to come to me. <laughs> well, it's also important for you to stay on that track because as you know, Casey and I 
teaching, being new to teaching, we need you. <laughs> or we, like, we need it's the master teacher. Yes, yes and I understand. So there's always got to be, and you, Pixie, need someone mm-hmm. mentoring right. you constantly. And exactly. that person needs someone. Exactly. Like we all need each other. And, and yeah, if you're not willing to like step into that master teacher role, and then what are me and Casey going to do? You <laughs> right. know, like we yes. need you. Absolutely. We need, we need those master teachers. Absolutely. And yeah. I had been blessed with Shiva. Uh, Shiva Ray, because she, uh, as she, for me, um, embodies that ability to be humble and step each foot in that grace of um, it not being about anything other than supporting others. Again, in her own home, and like any of us, when we close the doors, yes, we have to take care of ourselves. Um, But wanting to be inspired to continue that in a space that is um, approachable, and um, again, um, empathetic, mm-hmm. and 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 have that humility of of understanding that um, we're equal because we're both human. My experience is different, but that doesn't make us not equal. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I find that that can feel a little uh, unachievable to find and connect with. Um, not everywhere, but there are. I think at times it even feels like that in our own community, right? Well, I'd, where where do I find a mentor? Where do I find that support? And um, I think that's kind of what I'm navigating is like, how do I let the community know that it is, I'm, you know, I am equal and I'm here. You're here. To, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're very no. glad. I know. Thank you. My Don't pleasure. You Don't you dare go anywhere. I think my family is happy that I'm feeling that way as well. My 10 yeah. year old wouldn't live anywhere away from the ocean mm. and neither would my partner. So yeah, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we talk a lot about community. I mean, it's really important to Casey and I, mm-hmm. and a lot of the reason why we started the podcast is because we we love our community, and Casey and I were born and raised here, but we also just appreciate even the transplants, as we call yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah. so anyways, going back to the fact, community is really important to us, and I think community is important to you. What mm-hmm. does community mean to you, and how do you use it in you know your daily life and inspiration in the way you teach and all and Community to me is a place of connection or a concept of connection. It allows us to feel supported, again, like I mentioned in the yoga room, that we don't have to know each other's names always, but uh, even just recognizing faces or recognizing faces, not just like, oh, I've seen you before, but recognizing a face that, oh, welcome type of recognizing. Um, Some people, you know, are introverts and aren't going to go up to you and say hello, but that feeling, uh, community has a feeling of, of connection and support that can be verbal or nonverbal or like just knowing that it's there to land in. And it's so potent because it allows us to collectively move into what, what we want rather than sort of feel like we are voiceless. Um, and again, that can be in any spectrum. It doesn't have to be um, just political or just um personal it can there's so many ways that we can utilize having community to have that voice and it also allows us to be again reminded that we're all equal even though we're up to different things and have different you know amounts of money in our bank account or wear clothes that are from different places that when we remind ourselves that we have community it allows us to remember that we're equal and we all have we all have a story there are definitely things that I didn't share that I do share I have been an advocate for the food share program 
as my daughter and I at some point in our lives had to go to the food pantry. And as an advocate for them, again, it's this space of I don't look that, per- I don't fit that type, blah, blah, blah. And when we're disconnected with community, we get more and more involved with stereotyping and plugging people into mm-hmm. different locks and mm-hmm. ideas. But when we start to allow to come together as community, we start to realize that, oh, like they have a story, I have a story, like, and allow that space. And as a mother and being exposed to, you know, my daughter creating opinions or curiosities that are, you know, she, she doesn't know if it's an opinion or she's kind of asking a question about it or not. Hearing that and then wanting to steer her to a place of, you know, empatheticness or, or compassion, which comes with community. So it's just mm-hmm. how can we build to continue creating a space where Ventura can stay enjoyable, Ventura, you know, like go right into our community. What, do, what can we do to keep, you know, everybody supporting one another? And again, it doesn't mean that I have to believe in the same concepts but just more so that i can understand that you have a you have a belief and i have a belief and we're people Mm -hmm. rather than having it to be just one way or the other and i think like that's such a beautiful perspective you know that our our world could take on because essentially right Mm -hmm. we're all floating around together on a planet in space like we're all here together um but i wish you know my wish is in doing like this podcast or even with sharing yoga and being a teacher you know student that sense of community and seeing each Mm -hmm. other's you know brothers and sisters and that we all have our own story and that it's funny right because we we can have days where you're like i know that i woke up way on the wrong side (laughs) of bed and i'm judging everyone everything myself and i'm like okay that day i should probably lock myself in my room (laughs) and get right you know but it's also again that's part of the journey because then you recognize that that's not feeling good to you and so then you do the work that you need to do or you come to a revelation about yourself and you then adjust that, you know, you get back into the flow. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like I'll do like, you know, like a practice of yoga or just even a conversation right. helps. So this the sense of a place where you can go and talk to people is, is right. key too. Right. And feel vulnerable around people. Yeah. That's a big part of community. And I think uh it's important for us to allow ourselves to have those hard times mm-hmm. where we are grumpy and mm-hmm. we're an asshole or whatever it is, because then <laughs> when someone is being that way around us, then we can understand them better. Absolutely. So, but when we put the pressure on ourselves to not have days like that, when we beat ourselves up and God, I I'm, should not be acting this way. Hmm. This is, I'm so negative and I'm yeah. awful and bad and all this stuff. That's generally how we're going to look at people around us that are doing that same thing right. in the future but when we go easier on ourselves and allow ourselves to be shitty some days then mm-hmm. that creates more opportunity for us to be more empathetic and compassionate to people that uh, yeah. we encounter mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then, totally agree. then you connect mm-hmm. yeah. when we're judgy for ourselves that's going to create that disconnection from other people in the future absolutely yeah what would you say to a student mm-hmm. or a newbie in maybe someone wanting to try yoga or they're like this yoga thing i hear a lot about it i listen to the collective space (laughs) and i'm interested in it (laughs) yeah Yeah. Um, you know what would you say you know the biggest thing that i say and i had the pleasure for a while in my career to be around newbies often and only for a week at a time so then they would leave and say well what do i do i'm going back home what do i do to do get more yoga the biggest thing that i think that's important is if you're if you're looking for a way to explore yoga, I say I always say go to a studio that has more than one style being offered, um, so that way you can explore. 
and and take more than one type of class and one type more than one's teacher's voice and then from there allow yourself to take what you like and just see what happens from there but if we go to one type of studio that's just one type of class at the beginning you might find that you like this type of class and you're going to stay at that studio that's awesome but at the beginning you're not sure. So taking something that has more choices and different voices, because sometimes, I mean, my voice can bother someone. And so then they're like, well, if this is the only class that's being offered and I don't like that voice, how are you gonna actually get anything out of that class? Yeah. <laughs> Who's gonna be distracted? And so that's my biggest advice at first is, okay, find a place. And then if that place doesn't jive with you, usually nowadays there's more than one place to try. Um, but I, I'm a huge fan of suggesting at the beginning to find a place that has more than one style and more than one teacher and explore. And, you know, nowadays you can go to all the different places and do their, you know, newcomer. And then after you do that, go, okay, which one did I like? What kind of opportunities did I like? That's my biggest you know, logistical suggestion. <laughs> and then always knowing that um, yoga classes are for our own bodies. And so when you go to a class, ideally, you're going for you. And so don't worry about what other people are doing and remind yourself that it's just one breath at a time. It, your breath isn't anything like anybody else's breath. So the experience isn't going to feel the same or look the same as the person next to you. And so, you know, especially um, for my classes, I definitely tell people, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Close your eyes if you need to, but listen to the cues and breathe. Because if you're listening to the cues, I'm not going to push you into anything you don't think your body can do because you're paying attention to your breath. And that's what all practices are, whether whatever kind of teacher it is, because yoga comes from that space. If you can take a class and remind yourself that it's yours and not the teachers or the students who've been taking the class for a long time, it'll be a lot more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, uh, Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you, Pixie. Uh, can you tell the listeners where they can find you or contact you? Yeah. Social media. Um, social media and my website are all Pixie Yoga Flow. Social media is just Instagram and Facebook, which I pretty much keep connected to on a daily basis. My website has um, great information on it. It isn't as updated. So like the retreat that I'm doing in July, it's not on the website, um, but on social media as of probably tomorrow, once I have it up there, you'll be able to see it that way. But Pixie Yoga Flow is, is me and how you can see me, hang out with me, connect with me see what I'm up to and, and see the baby's face after she's born. Yay, we <laughs> can't wait. Week. Yeah, oh a week. Gosh. Oh, we're really um, thankful that you were here today and honored to have you as a guest and we wish you all the best with yeah. little baby Ryan. Thank right? you. Yes. Thank yes. you so much. Such a pleasure. An honor for sure. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Please excuse the short intermission as we say goodbye to our guest. Talking and popcorn go well together. <laughs> but this is the second time we've had popcorn, popcorn podcasts. <laughs> Use that as a soundbite. Um, <laughs> that's probably really annoying. <laughs> or it just made you walk to your microwave and get some popcorn made. <laughs> oh, it's really good popcorn. It is really good. Okay, I'm going to just put it down. So what an honor it was to have Pixie in studio you know, she's been someone that in our community in Ventura, 
has been really prominent as far as I'd say, you know, when I first started into yoga, I had heard of Pixie as a teacher. I'd heard that she was awesome through mutual friends. So it was just really nice to have her in studio today. I, I really look up to her and it was a pleasure. Yeah, agreed. I, I also really admire her and look up to her. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the community does too. So yeah, yeah. thanks again. Well, not Pixie. only that too, but she's also, you know, a strong woman. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of beautiful to have a strong community leader. A strong community leader that I think it's so important that she empowers other female leaders. I yes. think that it's Like it's hard. not a competition. Yeah, it's hard now. I think for women, it's important for us to embrace each other and empower each other and support one another and not tear each other down. So Pixie has always been very supportive and empowering on for me when I feel powerless or weak in whatever circumstances going on in my life. She definitely is there, has always been there for me. She's like, you know, she's just like a rock. For and, sure. And I really appreciate that about her. Yeah. So yeah thank same. you. Thank you, girl. Thank you, Pixie. <laughs> and so we'll go into talking about something. This is actually something Sarah, you kind of came up with. Are you a book person? Is that why you came up with this? I like to think of myself. Or do you like to hold yourself accountable? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's really what it is. I'm kind of a, I jump around on books a lot. Jump around. Jump jump, jump around. Insert that song. I know, I'm gonna. I have so many books at home. I have like a stack that I read all at the same time. And usually I'll read like novels pretty, like I'll open a novel and finish it. Yeah. But in terms of like the self-help books and all that, I'll usually have like a big stack that I read. Like five from and you'll all just the jump same up the same here. That's exactly how I am. It's crazy. It's annoying. But this will be good for me. <laughs> this cool. will keep me on track. Me too. We're going to be doing kind of like a essentially book club-ish. Yeah. Lightly used on the book club-ish term. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. A, a loosely formed book club. Mm-hmm. Basically what we're going to do, Casey and I, is read this book together. It's called White Hot Truth. And you can grab it on Amazon for like 15 bucks. I'm sure you can, you know, run to Barnes and Noble too. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey and I got that book and we'll be reading it together at the same time and then discussing a few chapters at a time on each podcast going forward. And if it works out well, then maybe we'll move on to another book after that. Certainly. If, if we like it, if you guys like it, but it's something that we wanted to kind of try out. Yeah. And it's been, it's by Danielle, D- Danielle Laporte. And why did you want to choose this book? I'd heard uh, some about it. I've seen a lot about Mm it. It has some really awesome reviews out right now. And then we have a couple friends that are reading it. We do. So yeah, I let's let's go for it. It just came out recently. I think it came out. um, Does it say on there? I think it came out just like a month, not even a month ago. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh But yeah, it's a white hot truth by Danielle Laporte. Chapters one through three. Chapters one through three is what we're, we're going to read first and then discuss. Yeah, and I can actually just give you like a synopsis, kind of an idea of what Perfect. it will look like. The, the first chapter is the Church of Self-Improvement. Chapter two is the Really Big Lies, the facilities we inevitably and necessarily fall for on our way to truth. Ooh, that sounds juicy. <laughs> yes, sounds awesome. And then the third one is Truthfully Seeking, How Wisdom Happens, hint, paradoxically. Oh, isn't life just a paradox? <laughs> Oh, okay, so it was it. on, this is from Oprah's Super Soul. Oh. Okay, well, that makes sense. Well, if Oprah did it. <laughs> Oprah did it. Let's, I'm trying to get her on here. I know, we are. <laughs> Don't laugh like it's not going to happen, <laughs> Sarah. 
Oh, that would be so good. <laughs> that, awesome. that would be so good. It's going to happen. We're going to It'll happen. Oprah. We're putting it out there. We love you, Oprah. I love you, Oprah. Sarah loves oh, yeah. you. We just, we have mad love for Oprah. So that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. So the yeah, so pick up the book, book club. White Hot Truth, Clarity for Keeping It Real on Your Spiritual Path from One Seeker to Another. And awesome. It is described as a wise and often hilariously relatable exploration of the conflicts between spiritual aspiration and our compulsion to improve. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see how we like it. We'll read chapters one through three and discuss on podcast four. We'll be discussing chapters one through three. And please read along with us and send us feedback and ask questions. And if you have any comments, suggestions. um, Always about anything. Yeah, based on the book or not, Mm -hmm. send it our way. Yeah. And real quick before we kind of close out here, Sarah, I just wanted to do a big shout out to one of our listeners who actually wrote us a really kind email jesus cisneros jr thank you for emailing us with such kind words and just thank you for listening and thank you for taking that time out of your day to reach out to us and also know that you're awesome just so you know that jesus (laughs) and um yeah i just thought that was really cool and brightened both sarah and i's day and week yeah (laughs) definitely we we love the feedback and Mm -hmm. any feedback it doesn't necessarily even have to be praise yeah. um, if you have just have any suggestions or things that you thought might work better if this or that let us know we we love it we love you guys we want this to be a community podcast mm-hmm. so we definitely want to hear from you guys on, on all different levels you can email us at hello.collectivespace at gmail.com follow us on instagram or our facebook instagram is at the underscore collective space and facebook is the collective space either one of those outlets you can reach us and we really do look forward to hearing your comments suggestions questions anything we'll we'll respond back and you know it's true to our what we have named our podcast right the collective space so what does that mean it's it's a space for you and i and everyone to to be here and and talk about things that will keep us connected perfect awesome well sarah it was a pleasure it was a pleasure what are you doing the rest of the day Oh, good question. I have to run errands. I'm thinking I might go to World Market, but the last time I was there, (sighs) you want to know what happened? I was walking around the store and the woman came around and she's like, oh, you want a cart? Because I had obnoxiously annoying like handfuls of things in my arms that I probably was going to drop. And she got me to get the cart. So I did. I was thank you. But then she kept looking at me really weird. And I kind of kept walking around the store and she kept walking past me and kept looking at me a little weird. And other people in the store were looking at me. And I was like, what the heck is wrong? You know, toilet, toilet paper. I looked. There was none (laughs) of that. So sure enough, I go through the line, buy my stuff, go to my car. I had, I don't know what it was, but like a black smudge from my nostril on my right side of my nose up to like my eyeball, like a football player kind of is what it looked like. And no one told me. What was it? I don't know. Interesting. Dirt for my car, or are you afraid to go there now? You're traumatized, you're afraid you're gonna get a black smudge across your face. I am, and they're gonna stare at me awkwardly. You'll be fine. Okay, thank you. Well, have fun at World Market. (laughs) I love that place, I do too. Very dangerous, it's it is, but I have a $50 gift card, so oh, awesome. I know. What are you gonna do? I am going to a birthday party tonight that is casino themed. Sarah, you've been going to a lot of birthday parties. I'm just saying, girl. Lots of birthdays <laughs> in my life. I think it's May. There's something about May. Like almost every day that I've texted you, I'm at a birthday party. I've had this conversation <laughs> with a couple friends and we're convinced that May is like the So the what's six months from May? Month. Valentine's Day? Six no. months? No. Nine months. I'm awful. <laughs> Casey needs a lesson. <laughs> Let's get 
pixie back in here to talk about. Oh my god. So what was nine months from six months? What the? My brain's not working. I don't know. It's summertime, I guess. Oh, okay. Is it? I don't know. People we'll get getting bored. <laughs> People are bored. People have tuned us out. The May gray really gets the or the the June the gloom uh, when it starts to get cloudy and this is what may gray does to me i can't count backwards (laughs) nine months from may but all you mayors out there happy birthday yes um yes i'm going to birthday party tonight it's casino themed it's on a boat oh scarlet bell oh my god so yeah it should be i'm on a boat with my flip it floppies Mm -hmm. i'm on a boat i'm on a boat everybody look at me because i'm sailing on a boat i'm all about songs today yep (laughs) naturally All right, well, so we'll look forward to hearing from you, and we'll be hanging out with you soon. All right. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Sarah. A space for you, me, and everyone. Welcome to the Collective Space. Okay, we figured it out. Nine months ago was August. August. (laughs)